Welcome to the no sun in your hands zone. That doesn't, you have to, there needs to be a D. We can't change the acronym. Sun, sun in your dance zone. Welcome back to the no sunny D zone. <laughs> there we go. Charlie got it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good, actually. Uh, I'm Isaiah. I'm Charlie. Uh, I'm Steven. And this week we played Boktai. The sun is in your hand just the one of them it's just the one hand right do they say multiple or just one i think it's just one i, I think, think it's, it's one hand. just the sun is in your hand i mean you can just hold a gba with your one hand it's okay well you have to hold it with your one hand and then you have to use the other one to turn the sensor on and off but yeah it's a good game this is a gimmick this ain't your pokemon you know pokemon pinball but pokemon pinball party have a a thing on it mm, i mean it might have had a battery i don't know i might be thinking of the other pokemon pinball anyway it's a solar panel instead of a vibrator or whatever the heck they put on. Hold I'm up. sorry. Don't, don't Hold up. vibrator is not the one you're looking for. <laughs> okay, what, what Pokemon pack. game is this? <laughs> Which Pokemon game? Like game a, a gyroscopic Yoshi's <laughs> Universal Traversal. I bought the Pokemon game that came with a pedometer. You're telling me I could have bought the one that came with a vibrator? <laughs> Isaiah. Yeah. Me dying? <laughs> Isaiah. So we played Boktai this week. A game for the Game Boy Advance uh, that has a special solar panel on it uh, so that you can charge your your sun energy in-game with real-life sun energy. Yeah. It's a game where you fight vampires with the sun. Yeah, also you fight vampires uh, by shooting them with a sun gun. This game was made by Konami. Specifically Kojima. Yeah, Kojima. Mr. Kojima was on this one. If, if you've ever thought to yourself, what would happen if Kojima made a Game Boy Advance game? Uh, this would be pretty close to that. But don't expect any baby modems. Uh, yeah, that that's more of a recent development, I think. <laughs> Almost literally. Yeah. Oof. Is that going to be out by the time this episode comes out? Uh, ooh. Probably not. Unless we take forever, and then we never talk about... Sonic 06. I'm actually pretty sure that game will literally never come out. No, that it's coming out. You can't stop this game. Apparently, they had, like, merch made for that game before they, like, showed that trailer. We're talking about Death Stranding, by the way. Yeah. Yes. That game's gonna come out. You can't stop Kojima. What's, what's that, like, infinite puzzle where it's, like, in a race, you go halfway through the race in the first ten seconds, and then you go half of that in the next ten seconds? And that's not a puzzle, that. that's just a bad math problem. I mean, yeah, it's not a puzzle. <laughs> like, puzzle's the wrong word. But, like, you know, you're always, like, making progress, but you never actually get to the end. Yeah, again, that's a math thing, that's not a real-life thing. Math isn't real life. <laughs> uh, Steven, Steven said it here, math's not real. It's not, you can't apply math the same way. Like, you can't say that, like, 2 plus 2 equals 4 when, like, sometimes cake is too big, you know? So talk about the uh, gameplay for this game. The gameplay, well, hot diggity something or other. This is a game where you walk around with zombies and vampires and try to keep them from noticing that you're there. There's also, like, mummies and some golems. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got this weird, like, Monster Mash theme, but then there's just golems in the middle of all that. <laughs> yeah. But it's an isometric top-down view. So, like, imagine Legend of Zelda for, like, the Super Nintendo, but then you just kind of rotated it for no reason. I can't decide if the isometric view works or really doesn't. 
I really hate it personally. I think, well, because I think what 2D Zelda does with depth is that it just mostly doesn't mess with it. Yeah, because it doesn't need to. Yeah, and this game really messes with depth a lot. Like, height is important for the dungeon crawling in this game, of which there is a lot. I don't think it's as, a, as important, like, as... So, like, the isometric view, I don't think, helps the height as much as it might seem like it does. Okay. I feel like if the blocks are as big as they still were, but the game were, like, traditional top-down north-facing, it would be fine. And in fact, they use directions a lot, and the map is not isometric, yeah. so it makes it really complicated to tell where you are in space. My my biggest problem with the isometric is, is really just that the map is not isometric. The map also is just a problem in this game. <laughs> yeah, the map the map shows you which direction you're facing like when you're in it, but it just places you in the center of the room. And it gives you just enough information that for a while, I thought it gave me all the information and I just wasn't moving anywhere. Yeah, real bad. Which is really weird. When you go up and down through floors, it does not lock to your point the way that like a Zelda would. Oh yeah. It just like launches you to either the center point of the map or just like a random spot. And then you have to rotate from there and kind of figure out where you are like in relation to the next floor. It's very weird. That is really weird, and I know there's there's plenty of games that when they have multiple floors, uh, it will like sort of show you where like it'll have a dot for you are here but on a different floor yeah. when you're looking at a floor you're not on. It'll show you your latitude and your longitude with a different altitude. Yeah, yeah, but like all of this isometric stuff combined with the stealth makes this game feel kind of complicated to control because you can set it so that you're moving up and down is literally just you moving up and down the screen but then it's kind of hard to lock to the grid that they want you on because all of the stealth sort of happens on this grid where enemies are walking from tile to tile and if you can get behind them you can shoot them with your stun gun and you'll stun them and then also deal damage and you can eventually kill enemies but later on in the game they'll take up to like six or seven shots to die so you can't just go loud right away it, you're very heavily penalized for it. Mm -hmm. And then you can adjust the controls so that if you push up, you'll move like up and to the right so that you're on the isometric grid. But that feels incredibly weird when you're playing like a real-time game. Yeah. Because I'm used to like isometric strategy RPGs where, or I guess tactic RPGs is the way to describe it. Like the tactics advances of the world, the ogre battles. I think ogre battle is isometric. Honestly, I can't remember anymore. But there's games where you move on a grid and it's isometric so that you can kind of see more stuff. Because that's why you would do it, is so that you get a wider viewing angle. Yeah. And in RPGs, that makes sense because it's all turn-based and you can take your time. And moving along the grid kind of feels more natural because it's actually locked to a grid. Yeah. But in this game, because all the movement is incremental and you have to do diagonal directions a lot, like your diagonal directions become up and down and left, and that just doesn't feel right. So I yeah. I find myself going back to the more traditional movement setup, but then it's really hard for me to get on the pathways they want me on. And also, this game has, along with the stealth mechanic, there's like a sidling along the wall mechanic. So you can push up against the wall, and Django, your protagonist, will press his back to it, and then you can scoot along the wall and you become less perceptible this way. And there are some enemies where you can only move around them if you are sidling. And when you do this, you have to push a very specific direction, which is like just 
like to the left or up depending on where you are on the wall and that just doesn't feel right because you're only pushing like in one direction but you're still sidling against the wall and that feels really weird yeah my my biggest problem with the sidling is really just that the enemies that you have to sidle to get past can hear when you're walking into the wall which defeats the whole purpose of doing it well the thing about those enemies though is that their hearing range is so kind of small that it's all right to like run close to them and then sidle and then wait for them to walk past you and it's also cool because if you stop sidling but you don't move they won't hear you so it's a little forgiving in that way yeah well there's also there's also a bit where if you like push yourself up against a wall they'll hear that but then they won't actually check the wall itself and so they'll be like nose to nose with you but they won't be able to see you yeah that's the other thing while you're sidling enemies don't touch you unless they notice you like there's sort of this kind of what do you call it like a grace gap where you're allowed to be directly next to the enemy but the hitboxes won't align yeah so the enemy's hitbox is not the whole size of like the tile they're on on the grid but i think that the stealth in this game is generally pretty fun i feel like once you get some of the better guns which we'll describe that more later but once you get some of the better weaponry you have enough options that doing stealth doesn't feel too hard and you're also only really penalized for screwing up stealth later on in the game and you get enough of these like healing items that you're not in danger of dying a lot and also dying in this game isn't penalized too heavily either hmm. yeah i actually feel like dying isn't really penalized at all um, it makes it feel like you do when you finish a dungeon <laughs> yeah. and it gives yeah. you a score which I don't understand how it did because I thought I did really well in the dungeon. It's like, nah, you got a C minus, and I'm like, that's not really nice. It does make <laughs> you feel bad when you die. Yeah, but that's like weird because it's completely unlike other games where there is a mechanical penalty, but also I don't feel bad. Yeah, like when you lose experience in some RPGs. Yeah, like I like I'm frustrated that I've lost progress, but I'm not. I don't feel like I've disappointed the game because yeah. they gave me a C minus. <laughs> yeah, the game just lets you restart in the room that you died in. Unless there, there's one dungeon where that's not the case, but that's like a super dungeon. Yeah. But in general, the only penalty for anything that you would screw up with the stealth mechanics and dying and whatnot is at the end of the mission, at the end of a dungeon, you get a rank. And all that really seems to do is affect a treasure chest that drops. But that chest just drops the same consumable items that you can find everywhere else in the game. So the only difference when you get like an S rank to a C minus is the C minus gets you one apple and the S rank gets you like six apples. Yeah. But you'll usually have like 50 apples at any given time. Or at least I did. I know Isaiah had a slightly different experience. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is another case of I'm pretty sure I'm worse at the game than you are. <laughs> Because I, I mean, I was always ranging between 30 and 20, because I'd get a couple, and then I would eat them, because I was dying. Yeah, enemies in this game drop items frequently, so if you're able to stealth your way through most of it, I, I don't think generally you'll have a hard time getting apples. So did you find yourself struggling with, like, hiding from enemies? Well, it's uh, it's actually really interesting, because my playstyle changed a lot throughout the game, where in the early game, I was playing really stealthy, and I was doing really well, but it was extremely slow. And then after a while, I sort of figured out the way the enemy AI works, and I ended up doing a pretty good job of just barely getting by without getting caught by them. Yeah. Like, and, and playing much more quickly. 
And I, I think I do actually like that process of learning learning the game and realizing that you can play less carefully. But then there was a period where I was like, all right, I'm impatient, and I would rush through and I'd, I would get punished for it. My favorite thing to do was learning how to use the like wall tapping mechanic, because there's this oh, thing yeah. where if, you, if you're sidling, you can press the A button to like tap the wall, and enemies will immediately start walking towards that. And the enemies move much faster when they've noticed something. So you can oh. kind of artificially accelerate the patterns that way. Yeah. I wish I had known that earlier. <laughs> oh no. Did you just spend a lot of time waiting for their patterns? Yeah. That was me for like the first And also two just getting detected and just like yeah. getting hit by shadow bugs or whatever you call those things. Yeah, the weird projectiles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when, when you get spotted by an enemy in this game, they kind of just like breathe out this weird gas that then like floats around them and then clings to you and you just have to like wiggle the d-pad around yeah to get it off it's a very it. weird attack method i also don't think it's very good at conveying that you need to wiggle the d-pad it just kind of looks like it hangs until it feels like it i do believe they tell you explicitly that you need to move around the d-pad in the first dungeon all right maybe i actually was dumb at the time i feel like it's entirely possible that you skipped the dialogue <laughs> but i did actually eventually figure it out on my own so yeah. you know I think that when uh, it's fire, it's more like... Two two dozen apples later. <laughs> a whole basket. I think I think the mummy enemies are the most upsetting for when you're trying to stealth carefully. Because they move really slowly, and if you stop sidling, then they're just they're just on that location. And that was the enemy that was like, alright. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna route them. I'm gonna make a noise over here, but I'm going to walk fast enough that I'm no longer in their range by the time they get here, and then I'm gonna walk around them. Well, the mummies, the cool thing, they can't see you. So if you just walk right in front of them, they they won't like red exclamation mark notice yeah. you. This game has sort of two levels of being noticed. It's got a white exclamation mark, which means that the enemy is going to go towards the last thing you did that they noticed. Yeah, And then there's a red exclamation mark, which hurts your score at the end, and it means that the enemy is going to try and actively attack you. You can white exclamation mark the mummies as much as you want, and they'll never see you unless you bump into them. So I feel like they're pretty good for teaching you to kind of go loud without actually getting noticed. Yeah. And I like... I, I think my favorite enemy is just the regular zombie guys, because they're really fun to walk up behind and shoot. Because basically, when you hit an enemy from behind this game, you get a huge damage boost. And also, if you're using a weapon... The, the weapons have slightly different stats. And if you've got, like, a rank C or higher in your stun, you'll almost always immediately stun them from one hit in the back. So it's kind of like a tranquilizer dart type thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's really rewarding if you don't want to kill the enemies. Because you can just, like, pop them in the back and then keep going and it feels really fast. Or if you do want to kill all the enemies... You can pop them in the back and then, like, work them into a corner and kind of, like, kill them in the corner. And I feel like that kind of stuff is fun for the strategy element, but in general, I think so much of the stealth is so samey that because there are so many dungeons in this game, <laughs> you'll just get bored of it pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, 30,000 dungeons in the first map. Well, the, the, like, main dungeons are all really distinct from each other, but all of the, like small dungeons are nearly the same. Yeah, this game... Man, this game. <laughs> it's just like, you just follow a path of like, three or four dungeons, and then you fight a, go to a, a main dungeon that has a boss. Yeah. And you get like, some kind of item. 
Yeah. So yeah. I do think the bosses are pretty good. Yeah, I, I like the boss fights. I tend to be very bad at them. In fact, that's that's where I eat the majority of my apples. <laughs> but the bosses, I mean, this is this is very Kojima from what I can tell. But the bosses are just oh no, you have to you have to figure something out that's like kind of a part of a system, but also just not utilizing the same skills that you've built up to this point. Like, yeah. obviously you're not stealthing during these bosses, you know? Yeah, but there's also, so there are boss fights that are mini-bosses where you just fight, like, floating weaponry for some reason. Yeah. And these fights are kind of just shoot-em-ups, but the big boss fights are not shoot-em-ups. They can be, you can beat them that way, but that's the slowest way to beat them. The, the big bosses almost always, or I think always, there's something that does a lot more damage than your gun, and you have to sort of bait them into taking that damage. Yeah, I believe the first one is you have to shoot his swords into him. Yeah. Like, he he tries flinging swords at you, and you fling him back. There was a, a boss that I fought uh, that was the, the golem that just kind of rolls around, like, on this rock that is in the middle of lava, and you just, like, bait it into rolling into the lava, and then you knock it over. Yeah, it does the fun little, like, toes on the edge <laughs> yeah. animation. Uh, which is always a classic. And so there's a lot of stuff like that. Forget what the Ice Wolf's bit was. The Ice Wolf... Well, that kind of plays into the puzzles, which Charlie's going to talk about in a minute, but you can push ice blocks in this game. Oh, and yeah. And the wolf will summon ice blocks as a weapon to hit you, but then you can push them into him and they deal more damage. That's A lot of the stuff is like using the enemy's weapons against them. Yeah. So, Charlie, do you want to hit us with the puzzles? Yeah, so I only went through the first major dungeon, but I can probably get a, a decent summation of how to they work and yeah whatnot so steven mentioned there's pushing blocks and i guess there's ice levels and everyone loves ice levels because a block just moves every distance and you got to plan the distances yeah and you gotta try it. to put it in the right direction and yada yada but dude you pretty much nailed the ice temple there <laughs> <laughs> but like you'll get like regular block pushing like you might have to push blocks so you can traverse them on an upper floor or just to get to a different path and try to navigate through it or something like that like yeah. maybe there'll be an item that you'll have to push some blocks in the way but there's also the floor above so it's a lot of little things you got to do together in order to get yourself a way through i encountered this puzzle when playing today which just kind of threw me for a loop where it's literally just a math equation where you have <laughs> a block that contains a number or a modifier and you have to push it into the equation in the right order. Such a good puzzle. I was like, this is just math, but it takes a while. <laughs> There's also, like, there are three or four of those, and I'm sure there are more later on, but I got to one that was just insane. You had, like, eight different blocks. Yeah. Some of the really complex block-pushing puzzles I'm actually really into, but the huge problem is really just that they're very slow. Like, yeah. your movement speed is not nearly as fast as your planning speed and so right. especially because with a lot of them there's a lot of backtracking which is something this whole game has but so it just the more complex the puzzles the more time you spend just walking around to get to the next element of the puzzle to solve yeah there's a lot of like going on a higher level that helps you get to different spots in the puzzle it feels almost like it would be better if it was just like a ds game where you could click and drag the pieces yeah yeah what was so, your favorite puzzle that you found? I don't know if those exist. What <laughs> favorite puzzles? So the I like in the first dungeon the clock puzzle. 
Oh, even yeah, though it was level. kind of confusing because I felt like I missed something. Yeah. But basically, there's this like organization of the twelve numbers on a clock, and you don't really know what that is, and you like hit a button, and it goes eh, eh, or some kind of clearly negative sound. Yeah. And then you go to the next room, and then it's like basically a diary. And it tells you, like, what they did and how many hours, and you have to do the math together. Yeah. Because at first I thought I was just adding things up, like, oh, no, it's just, like, actual time. <laughs> and I really like kind of putting my head to that and figuring that out. I like that puzzle, too. That puzzle was extremely memorable. Because yeah. it was, like, entirely, like, entirely new art pieces to that environment and all of that, so it really stood out. Yeah, they weren't just switches. Like, it had numbers and everything, and then you go into a little library where the diary is. Yeah. I also, like, there's... So, you talked about the ice blocks, which, it's funny, because you didn't know that they were there, but, like, you could obviously figure out what the ice dungeon was. <laughs> but the fun thing about the ice blocks is that you get a fire element weapon later on, and if you shoot the ice blocks with that fire, you can melt them. So, there are certain puzzles where you have to, like, get rid of blocks, and I felt like that was a nice twist on these sort of... I consider them Zelda puzzles. I'm sure they were in something before that. Yeah. There were a lot of NES games that had this sort of block-pushing mechanic. But it's interesting to me that there's a way to destroy the blocks, and that adds a new layer. Yeah. There's also... I mean, there's also pressure plate puzzles, where usually you have to trick an enemy into walking onto the pressure plate so that Ugh. you can go through a trapdoor that opens. Yeah, those yeah. are really, really slow. And the worst variant of that is when you're pulling a coffin onto the platforms. So probably, maybe I would say the worst phase of this game is right after you beat the boss of an area and the boss goes into a little coffin and you have to drag the coffin back through the dungeon to usually the entrance of the dungeon. Yeah, because you're fighting vampires, so like they're weak to light. So after you beat them in their little hole, they turn into a coffin and you have to drag them into your pile driver. Yeah. And then that's the one you get once you get to the pile driver there's sort of this almost a mini boss sequence where you have to shoot the lasers to keep them powered up as the coffin tries to resist the lasers. Yeah, by the way, the pile driver is not a piece of construction equipment that you use to you know pound down pylons or whatever. It's Yeah, a, nor is it a mixed drink. It's like <laughs> It's like a, a ritual circle that the coffin goes into the center of, and then, like, these four, like, solar panel-type things shoot lasers into the coffin, and you gotta charge them up and whatever. Yeah, with and your then, spread shot. Yeah, and then the boss will try to fight back and, like, shoot dark energy into the panels, and you'll have to recharge them to do more damage to him. I think those fights tend to take too long. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're kind of superfluous in general. I feel like we could get the same effect, like the same feeling, by just having you turn on the lasers. Yeah. I think that would be just as fun. And, it, I mean, the other thing, right, is that when you're dragging the coffin, it's a very slow process. Like, I go back and forth between thinking that it's way too slow and thinking that it's just fast enough that I don't have a problem with it. But every time there's a puzzle where you have to place the coffin on a pressure plate, to open a door so you can go through a room and push a block so you can go through another door with the coffin. I'm yeah. like, we can skip all of this. I've done this like six times, and it's the same puzzle every time. Yeah, I, so there aren't too many dungeons where you have to interact with the boss. I feel like 
You guys only had to play like three, right? Or I mean, you Charlie, you only played the first one. Yeah, I played three or four. I got through the the fire elemental dungeon and the ice elemental dungeon. Do you have to? I can't remember if there's a boss between the fire and ice dungeons and the first one. I think there is, but I also can't remember. Because you get basically you beat the fire and ice dungeons to get fire and ice like equipment for your gun. Yeah, because you fight the the tutorial dungeon. And then after that, you try to progress, but there's an elemental block, and we're like, oh no, we need to defeat the this dude in order to break that block so that we can yeah, progress. Yeah, so there is a yeah. second thing. Okay, yeah, so you fought four dungeons, if you yeah. beat the Fire and Ice dungeons. I got all the way to, like, a fifth dungeon, where I got an Earth thing. Yeah. An Earth lens. We'll get more on that later. But I felt like... It wasn't too much of the game dragging coffins around. A lot of the game is just doing these sort of supplementary mini dungeons. Yeah. And if you're doing all of those, it won't feel like so much of the game is dragging the coffin around. But the dragging mechanic is not amazing. I think the problem is there's not really enough incentive to do those extra mini dungeons. That's interesting because I found that whenever I got a new piece of gun equipment, I felt really excited about doing the mini dungeons. Okay. So I got... I mean, do you, do you guys want to move on to talking about how the gun building works? Uh, yeah, sure. What was your guys' favorite part of building a gun? So, when you say favorite part of building a gun, are you saying favorite gun part? Or favorite part of the gun, either. <laughs> I I really liked the um, the lens stuff. I liked that you've got a basic lens, and then before getting through the second dungeon... I had gotten the lens that just lets me store stuff, and the lens that doesn't take any ammo. Yeah. And I really liked both of those because they radically changed the way that you play. The one that doesn't take any ammo can't kill any enemies, but it can stun them. So it's it's really good for, like, basically staying in danger, but, like, you're you're not sacrificing anything in the process. Right, and that one, you also can use it without any sunlight at all, so it's kind of like the night equipment. Yeah, it's great because, like, I think this game generally tries pretty hard to make sure that you can still play it no matter what time of day you play it. You'll just have a much easier time if you're playing during the day. I don't know if you guys played during night at all, but the game's color palette changes. Like, there's a dusk asset for everything. Ooh. Except the enemies, I think. I think the enemies stay the same. Oh, I'm but sure. All of the, even the sunlight, like spots where you see sunlight on the ground and you can charge up even when you're in a dungeon, those turn purple. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of cool that there's like moonlight as opposed to sunlight assets for the game. Yeah, but so the the lens that lets you store energy instead of basically there's sort of this bank system where you can go to places that have energy deposited and you can withdraw it to recharge your your stuff. Right. And you have a lens that instead of charging for yourself, you charge for the bank, but in return you also can't shoot any bullets. So it's very cool if you're like, all right, this is going to be an entirely passive run. Like I'm I will not be aggressive towards any of the combatants. I'm only going to be stealth boys and I'm going to charge my bank the entire time. So next time through, I'll have a lot of energy. Yeah, I also felt like because of the way that the game sort of makes you switch between these sometimes, 
you feel encouraged to change them a lot and test yeah. out different things. And also, you can level up your lens by basically just using it a lot. And that makes it so that when you have a level 3 lens, which is the max level, you feel less inclined to use that one than the other ones. So there's kind yeah. of two fold mechanics that are meant to make you switch them out and test out different things. And I think that goes for the other gun parts as well. Do we want to talk about the other gun parts? Uh, yeah, so one of the gun parts uh, that I find really interesting is the battery, which basically determines how much charge can be held in the gun at a time. And there are four total batteries. There might be more. Steven, you got the fourth one, right? Yeah, I got a quad battery. There's. It, it looks like if there aren't any more than four, that would make sense, because in the menu there's only space for four. So maybe there's a scroll wheel, but... Anyway, so each each battery, you know, lets you store an additional amount of energy at a time, but also each battery is stored separately from the previous one. So if you have a quad core uh, and then that depletes, you can switch to your three core battery and then that will still have energy. Yeah, and then you can kind of just find a sunspot and refill all of them at once. Yeah. Which is kind of time consuming, but I actually kind of enjoy it too. Yeah. Like, I don't know, there's something weird that feels good about charging your battery up as opposed to <laughs> anything else like that in a game. Yeah. I mean, like, I totally... Well, because they, they play that, that sound effect when you're charging as well. Yeah, and you shout Tayo. Yeah. And it's it's just, like, pleasant? Yeah, and, like, you hold your hand up and you start glowing. I, I think it's really fun when they mix the solar mechanics in and they feel better than, like, basically equivocal mechanics in other games. Yeah. What's your favorite gun part, Charlie? I don't know, I kind of found the thing kind of tedious, just kind of like, oh, I need to put the moon lens on so I don't kill an enemy so I can put it on a button. <laughs> and then I gotta actually get the sun so I can actually kill things and get through. That, that like... puzzle where I had to shoot an enemy into a button was terrible. Yeah, that might be the worst puzzle. Because, like, you, I mean, this is the first time that you have to shoot an enemy into a button, and the, the game is usually pretty obvious with what you have to do sometimes annoyingly so and then this time it was just like good luck figure it out yeah now the game does have a difficulty setting which literally makes puzzles easier and i didn't try that so i have no idea how it works yeah i think we all played on normal too right yeah that's something the, when you start this game up it's not just like all right and play boktai it's hey what time zone are you in what day is it <laughs> yeah it wanted to know the date and then it asks you, like, what difficulty you'd like to play on. And there's easy, where puzzles and combat are both easy. And then there's normal one, where, like, is it combat is easy and the puzzles are hard? No, it's combat is hard and puzzles are easy. Yeah, and then there's normal two, where, well, I guess it's it's combat is normal and puzzles are easy. And yeah. then there's normal two, where combat is normal and puzzles are normal. And it makes me wonder if this game has the thing where you unlock difficulties later on. Oh, man. But I can't imagine playing through this game a second time because it's so tedious. Yeah. Even, I, I would say I might have enjoyed it the most out of the three of us, but even I think, I think so. that, like, a lot of it is tedious. Well, it's, I mean, it's a game that benefits greatly from, it's a game that just, the worst part of it is really just the walk speed. Yeah, especially on the world map. Yeah. And, and it makes sense mechanically in a stealth game, you can't just run super fast, but it is really frustrating when there's no combat and I just want to get through this room that has a puzzle that I already know the solution to but you know I have to push a block 
and then that's slower than walking speed, and then I gotta yeah. walk around the map to push it in a different direction. This game, though, it does one cool thing with the puzzles that I want to acknowledge. It gives you a reset button in your inventory. You can just open your items, and you have a thing called a fool card, where when you use that, it just resets the room you're in. Yeah. And you don't have to walk all the way back to the beginning if you feel like you screwed up, and I like that a lot. I think that's a that's a pretty solid, like, okay, look, you might softlock yourself. We want to prevent that. Like, we want to make sure you don't have to ever have to shut the game off and turn it on again. That that would never happen, like, anyway, even yeah. without the card, because you can just walk to the first, like, the door at the beginning of the room and come back in. Yeah, even the, the puzzles are pretty good at making sure that you can't box yourself in. I never found that to be a thing that would happen. You have to kind of design puzzles, like, the opposite way. I feel like it's harder to make a puzzle where you can lock yourself in, just because of the nature of the game, where you don't just have a cursor, you have, like, a guy walking around, so your guy can't really get to somewhere. You can't, like, destroy a thing that you've put in your way, you know? No, but you can, I mean, you can push boxes into lower areas, and then, I don't know. I don't think that there's a box you can push into a lower area where you can, like, walk that would close off a path, though. Like, I don't think that's possible. So, there are boxes where you push them into your path so you can climb downstairs, and then you push them from there onto a lower area, and now you can no longer walk back up those stairs. Oh, those are only in optional dungeons, though, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure they're in main dungeons, too. I, the only one I remember is an optional dungeon that is literally called, like, Stairs Dungeon. <laughs> of course. It's, like, called Dungeon of the Stairs, but I thought that there were doors... No, maybe you're right. Maybe you do... That might be the one place where you need to use the Fool card. You might be right. But they give you the Fool card in the first dungeon, I think, right? Yeah, they, they give it to you way before you could ever softlock yourself. And yeah. you can't, like... You can't skip it. It's not a missable item. Yeah. Right. Which is very important. I like the block puzzles in general. I thought they were all pretty fun. Yeah, I like block puzzles. I like block puzzles. I just hate the walk speed. <laughs> like, if you could take those puzzles and make it, like, like much faster, then I would be way into it. I don't think that the walk speed is any worse than Zelda, though. No, but, like, so I'm used to puzzle games like Baba Is You at this point. Where, if your position is important, the camera's pretty zoomed out, and your walk speed is, is nearly instantaneous. Yeah, but this game was made a much longer time ago than Baba. <laughs> that is true. That game came out, like, what, this year or last yeah, year? Yeah, this year. Whereas, friggin' Boktai came out in, like, 2002 or something. I think it's 2002. Th this right. game is also more than a puzzle game. Baba is You is very much... Now, we're, we're just puzzles. <laughs> Boktai might be, like, much worse for being two different kinds of games. Yeah. They're both fine, but, like, they both suffer for the other's existence. Yeah, I think that the stealth is fun when you don't have to do a puzzle, and the puzzles are fun when you don't have to do stealth, and then when they're both together, it feels weird, and when you're not used to either of them, it gets really jarring. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because stealth is also a sort of puzzle, but it's an execution puzzle. So, in theory, they go together. It just creates a problem because... Just the way you have to execute the two of them puts you in completely different mindsets. Yeah. So did we talk about the uh, weapon shapes? The... What's the... The frame? The frame, yeah. No, I mean, I... I just wanted to hop into it so you didn't really specify. There are four <laughs> weapon parts. Yeah. There's the lens, which decides your bullet type. There is the battery, which is just, like, your ammunition, basically. And then there's the frame, which determines what your bullet shape will be. And then there is the... 
grenade, which is like a sub-weapon, basically. Yeah. You get those by, like, towards the end of the first dungeon, right? Yeah, you start finding them in boxes later on, and they're just in the same chests that drop the consumable items. Yeah, and, and the grenades are consumables as well. Yeah, you do have limited grenades, and they're really good. They're very useful for certain things. I don't know how much you guys use them, but I started using them later on in my run. I actually never used them. Oh, they're very helpful for certain things, like the mummies. Oh, yeah. Fight those guys with grenades. Yeah, if I saw those mummies again, I'd be like, all right, let's pop a grenade. There's also a secret unlockable grenade. There's the system where you can sort of breed items. It's kind of weird. There's like a farming thing. Oh, yeah. If You can go to a sun tree, and there's a lady there that'll tell you that you can plant fruits in these little holes near the tree that's in its, like, roots. And you can put, like, an apple and a green apple in there, and then they'll turn into a gold apple later. Based on how much sun there is, it, like, grows faster, and you can actually grow it yourself by pointing your gun at it and shooting sunlight into it. Oh, that? I did not know that. Oh, yeah, that's the way to do it. So you can, by combining certain items, you can eventually get a pineapple, and that pineapple is actually just a grenade that locks <laughs> to your gun. <laughs> and it's an infinite-use grenade that oh. just charges based on the sunlight. That's really good. Yeah, it's very fun. And you just get to shoot a pineapple at enemies, which is also you know, hilarious. What's amazing is that I completely forgot about the tree mechanic. Oh, it's very easy to. Yeah, because it's it's like they introduce it to you, and then you're like, oh, wow, I can get slightly better apples. Cool. And then that's pretty much it. And because and, you have to backtrack to it, you know? Right. They You can make an item that is a leaf that takes you to the tree. Yeah. Always have a dozen of those on hand. Oh, it's not replenishable? It's just, like, a single-use item? Yeah, it's a single-use item, but you can breed them at the tree. <laughs> Alright, so I gotta go to the tree to get leaves to take me to the tree. You can find them in chests, too. Like, you get them in different places. But That's true. They're just like any other item. But yeah, the pineapple was fun for me. But it takes forever to grow, so... So the last part is the frame. <laughs> Charlie, do you want to talk about the frames? So the frames are, like, the bullet types, right? Yeah. That's what you said? Okay. Because you start out with, like, a really basic one. It's, like, called... Is it called the sword or something? They're named after weapons, I think. Yeah, they're they're all named after weapons right. for the most part. But you really quick get the spear, I think. And that just lets you... It's, it has the same function as the frame you got originally, but you can hold down the B button to just do a wave. And yeah. that's just a good, like... It just shoots, like, a short wave beam. Kill area, yeah. The spear is, like, the shotgun weapon. I forget... I know you get, like the axle early on and i think that's the one that spins you around with the wave yeah i can't remember i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up actually if you don't mind i actually don't i i don't think i ever got a long range weapon that wasn't just the regular bullet but then when you hold b it's short range again <laughs> like for the most part it's very short range despite being a gun which i think does help with the stealth aspect well pistols believe it or not are actually very short range weapons in real life so there are some, later on, you get weapons that are more like machine guns where you can hold down and it'll auto-fire, and those oh, are long yeah. range. And then there's also, there's a couple weapons that you get that combine different weapon types. So I think there's like four basic functions of the gun. There's weapons that just fire bullets that are long range. Yeah. There's weapons that have a spread where you hold the button down and it creates this sort of just hitbox that's around you that does constant damage. And then that has sort of two variations, which are the sword weapons, where you can kind of angle it around. 
And then there are the spin weapons where you'll spin faster than you can move the D-pad, and that's good for fighting like a bunch of enemies at once, like smaller enemies. And then there are weapons that deal like just a burst that's close up to you, but it does a ton of damage. And then there's a couple like weird odds and ends. Like there's a weapon called Beat Mania. <laughs> yeah, which I really thought would have music in it. No, no sound design here. No, it just shoots large bullets that do a lot of stun. And also they push enemies farther back than most bullets, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so the first weapon that you start with is called the Fighter. Okay. Oh, that's right. The second one that you get, the one that can both shoot and make a wave, is called the Knight. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then the Spear is the Shotgun. Yeah, the Spear is the Shotgun. The Spear was my favorite of the gun frames. I use that one all the time. Yeah. That The Spear, no matter what, like most of the enemies you meet in the first set of dungeons will automatically be put to sleep by a shot from the back of the spear so it feels like I said like a tranquilizer dart we can just like tap the enemy and then walk away if you want to <laughs> excellent later on I got a weapon called the lance which is just like the better spear and then there's a javelin which is the better lance are a lot of these optional weapons like are they in the mini dungeons I believe all of them are optional and yes many many of them are in the small dungeons along the way yeah so that would that would explain why I didn't see like half of them you get, like, really, really good ones from the, I think it's called, like, the Azure Sky Tower? Mm-hmm. That's the one where it's kind of like, almost a roguelite. Okay. It's like a mystery dungeon type game, if you play the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games and stuff like that. It's basically like a set of floors, and you have to kill enemies until you find a key, and then you have to take that key to a room, and it's, like, on a grid, the, the rooms are. Yeah. And it's the only dungeon where you don't have a map. Oh, Okay. But you can beat that dungeon, and if you get... I, I don't really know how this mechanic works, but they give you emblems. And the first time I went in, I got the ice emblem, and I wasn't sure how I did that. So I might have to mess with that more. I'm probably going to play this game again some more. I like it. <laughs> Alright. But when you beat the dungeon, if you have an emblem, you can go into a room based on that emblem, and it'll give you a unique weapon. So, like, I got a weapon that was called... Oh, what was it called? I don't see it here. Weird. It was called, like, some kind of knife thing. Because, <laughs> so the knife is, like, the machine gun weapon. And yeah. the dagger is, like, the upgrade from that. And I got, like, the the fourth iteration of it. Okay. And basically that, I was describing this earlier off mic, I think. But it, like, eats up your ammo really, really fast. But it does a ton of damage. So you can beat, like, mini bosses in 30 seconds and stuff like that. So it's kind of, at the end of the dungeon, you go, like, big and loud. And you use this weapon to finish the guy off. But you can't really use it during the dungeon because it'll eat up your meter too fast. So I enjoyed having that in my pocket, and I felt rewarded for beating that really tough dungeon. Yeah. But yeah, there's tons of different stuff that you can do to get different weapons in this game, like completing the mini dungeons and looking through the big dungeons to find weapons. And if you're looking in every corner, you'll find a lot of weird, interesting stuff that makes it more fun to mess with the gun mechanic. Okay. I do wish, though, that you had loadouts. Like, you could switch between two guns that you use a lot. Yeah. By just tapping select or something. I mean, I guess you can't really tap select because that's how you open the menu. But if there was a way to just have two or three pre-made guns, like, oh, I can always switch to my spinning weapon or to my shotgun weapon. Yeah. Or like, oh, I can always switch between, like, ice and fire really fast as opposed to going through this whole, like, three-step menu thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, The opening the menus really breaks up the flow of the game. Yeah, and it is a stealth game, so you're kind of used to managing stuff like that anyway. I feel like in Metal Gear, there's a lot of menu management between stealth segments. 
Yeah, I don't know. I even I feel like even in Metal Gear, the menu, like for changing equipment, was designed to be able to navigate through as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean this menu isn't too slow, but yeah, it, it is. It's a Game Boy Advance game, so like <laughs> that, that's true. There is a limit to how much you can expedite the process, especially yeah. when you're opening the menu not just to change weapons, but also to eat some apples to heal and stuff like that. Yeah, or look at the map. Yeah. I find myself using the map a lot in this game. I really wish the map was better than it was, because I would love to use the map to help me, but every time I do, I just get upset. Yeah, it's a really bad map, because it's not laid out the same way the game is. If the map were isometric, it would be fine, I think. It would be so much better. I could even deal with like not having the sort of Zelda compass system where I'm told where I'm at. Like, I yeah. could be fine just knowing the room if it were isometric. Or if the game were not isometric. <laughs> I I honestly, I think I like the isometric bit. I hate isometric games that are not, like, I guess, grid-based. Yeah. If I have to move in real time, just please, for the love of God, make it top-down. There's this part later on in the game where you have to walk on thin platforms and the wind blows. And oh you can God. stop the wind by just covering up the solar sensor. But... I didn't do that right away because it doesn't tell you that that's what you have to do until you've died a couple times. <laughs> of course. But, like, the wind will blow you, and you have to move along the isometric path, and then when the wind is blowing in a slightly different direction, it's just kind of impossible to stay on the isometric grid while yeah. keeping the wind the way you want it, and it just feels awful. I don't know. I, I hate isometric stuff. Yeah. Unless it's very specifically the grid-based RPG stuff I was talking about before. So, so this game also has a system put in place to keep you from relying too much on your guns. Or more specifically, to keep you from, I think, playing the game too much in one sitting? No, I think it's just don't keep the sun in your hands for so long. Yeah. Because the sun is in your hand, but that shit is really hot. Boktai, the sun is in your hand for too long, yeah. So, so there's an overheat system, which I really think my biggest problem with it is just that I can't, like, see it. So, if your solar sensor is detecting a lot of light and you shoot a lot, your gun's going to heat up. And if it heats up too much, then it'll overheat and you will not be able to use it for a pretty long time. It takes a long time to get there, though. It takes a long time to get there, but it takes a long time to get back, too. Yeah, but if you just play without the sunlight being detected for, like, a few minutes, you're fine. Yeah, it just, like... You know, the last thing you want is for your gun to overheat when you're in the middle of a trap encounter, where you have to kill enemies in order to get through that. And to the game's credit, pretty much every time there is a way to damage enemies without using your gun. But at the same time, a lot of those times, those ways are not very fast. Well, and here's the thing. Overheating, there is a warning. You don't just go from yeah. being normal to overheated. There's a warning period. And also, you can shoot your gun while you're heated up, that's not what causes the heat to rise. It's just the sunlight. Yeah. So if you cover up the sensor and you just don't, you aren't receiving any sunlight, then you can still shoot your gun. And by the time you get to a point in the game where you're seriously at risk for dying, you'll have a few different batteries saved up. Yeah. I personally didn't have too much of a struggle with the overheat system. I just tried to keep the sun from being completely full for the most of the time. And when I was in a dungeon where there wasn't light anyway, I kept the sensor covered. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like... It is kind of tricky for a system to be something that you need to manage, because I don't know that it necessarily makes sense in the rest of the game. 
I think that the game would be worse if the ideal scenario were just to always be playing in full sunlight, because then that kind of locks you to playing at night. I guess I guess that's true. Like, there there needs to be a reason that you're not just out in in full sun. One hundred percent of the time. Because yeah. otherwise, there's really no like. The more sun you have, the faster you charge your ammo, and that's just good. Right. That's like the most obvious difference. Yeah. So it it does make sense that there needs to be something to sort of counterbalance it, but I don't know. I I guess I wish that you could see more easily how hot your your gun was, like in real time. Yeah, there weren't just three states like yeah. cool, warm, and on fire. Like if yeah, like if there was a meter somewhere. I don't know. I agree with you that that would be nice, but I don't... I personally didn't feel like it impacted my gameplay greatly. Yeah. I only ever overheated when I was messing with the garden system. Yeah. <laughs> because in the garden system, you can just shoot sunlight at plants and stuff, and the plants grow faster when they're in full sunlight. Yeah. So that was when I was messing with it the most, trying to keep the sun meter at the top and accidentally overheating and stuff like that. But at that point, I'm in a pristine garden where there are no enemies, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you don't you don't really feel too hindered by the overheating. Right. I don't think I ever overheated in a dungeon cuz I just always kept the sun covered or the the like what do you call it? The sensor, the sensor bar. Yeah, I kept the sun covered up. I put up my <laughs> put up my sun shield. You put the sun in your hand. Yeah, man. You take the moon and you take the sun and you put it in your hand. And now you're done? Is that it? Something like that. Rada rada. Yeah, okay. The last thing to talk about this game is perhaps the single worst part of it. Yeah, I don't Definitely know. Definitely the I'm, lumpiest part. I'm still not big on the the coffin carrying, but at least it is very much designed. Yeah, it's part of the game. So this game has this sort of identity crisis where it's kind of <laughs> Zelda, and it's kind of Metal Gear, and it's kind of an RPG, but like, on the overworld... It sort of seems like it's a Zelda-style overworld at first, where you get to walk around and you go into dungeons and stuff like that, and you can interact with some NPCs. But quickly you realize that the overworld is on a grid, just like the rest of the game. It's on an isometric grid. And when you open the map, you see just paths to squares, and those squares are the dungeons. And you have to manually walk over to every square, and dungeons are nice enough to where if you've beaten them before, you can teleport from entrance to entrance. Yeah. But if you want to go somewhere, you still just have to walk there on the world map, and there's literally nothing to do yeah. on the world map. There is genuinely no point for this world map. Like, it doesn't add anything. It just makes you walk to your destinations. Yeah, the game would be much, much better if when you exited a dungeon, you were just on a, like, map screen where you could just move the cursor to where you wanted to be. Yeah. I don't understand why they wanted the overworld map. I hope that it's something that we change in future games because we've got three more of these to play yeah either we add things to the overworld or we remove the overworld i honestly don't think that the overworld could add much to this game that i would be interested in i think that the dungeon to dungeon interactions are the most interesting part yeah i wouldn't want a place where i had to go and like interact with npcs i don't think yeah because i guess what i'm comparing this to the most is metal gear and zelda and I do like the Zelda parts where you're interacting with NPCs and doing side quests, but I would not want to do any more moving around in dungeons in this game than necessary. Yeah. And games like Metal Gear are mission-based, and I feel like that works much, much better. It's much more conducive to the stealth gameplay, where you do something once and then it's done. Yeah. I also wish this game would 
tell you that you got an S rank on a dungeon and highlight that in some way on the map, it would be yeah. really easy to like make the dungeon icon gold or show your letter rank next to each dungeon. Yeah, well, the other thing is uh, every dungeon has a collectible coin in it, and it would be super cool if I knew which dungeons I had gotten the coin for. Oh, yeah, like it should only highlight a dungeon as being completed when you get the secret items in it because it also doesn't tell you whether or not you got a gun part and probably yeah. like half the gun probably half the dungeons have a gun part in them yeah it's a lot of them and all of them i think almost all of them have a coin and all the coins do is when you get 30 of them or you get all of them or whatever it is you get the sound test okay yeah so it's not really that big of a deal you're not getting like a secret gun part for it i don't think the music wasn't all that impressive for me in this game no not really I think the most impressive asset to the game is some of the sprite art that you see when you open a dungeon, and the boss yeah. art as well. So how do you guys feel overall about Solar Boy Django and his video game that we've played? I feel like this game is really close to being something that I would enjoy a lot, but it's not quite there. How about you, Charlie? I kind of feel the same. I'm so intrigued by it, though. You know? I really enjoyed trying out different guns and figuring out what worked best in what situation. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the puzzles... I think the puzzles might be the strongest part of the game. Yeah. Except for the ones where you have to shoot enemies. Those are not good. Yo, also, though, in the, the fire dungeon, moving platforms suck. That's not puzzles. That's It's not puzzles, but it does suck. Where That's just the game. Walking around in this game sucks. Walking, Moving at all in this game is horrible. Yeah. There needs to be a gun that you can equip that just makes you fly or something. <laughs> yeah. What do, you, what do you think the game could do to improve, Charlie? Like, what do you want to see from Boktai 2? I don't know. It's just kind of... this The whole gameplay style doesn't really... I don't know, get rid of stealth? I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of want to play... The stealth just kind of seems tacked on. Yeah, I kind of agree, actually. I felt that way at the beginning... Yeah. But I think once they start introducing more of the interesting enemy types, it gets to be more engaging. Yeah, I, I think it's something that, like, becomes better the longer that you, like, the more familiar you are with it. Yeah, I also think that I might just be, of the three of us, the one who enjoys stealth games the most. Yeah, maybe. Because, Charlie, you're not super into them at all, are you? Not really. Like, that's why I just couldn't play Wind Waker. <laughs> yeah. And you, Isaiah, I know you... A, enjoy Wind Waker, and B, <laughs> have, have played a few more stealth games. I like stealth games. The problem is I am garbage at them, so I can never really enjoy them. Yeah, I got you. I, I like Ape Escape a lot, which is kind of like a stealth game mixed with, I guess, honestly, it's kind of Zelda gameplay, too. Yeah. Like, you use different items to maneuver through worlds, but it's mission-based, which is good, because stealth games should be mission-based. <laughs> and there's no goddamn overworld. <laughs> there's a hub world where you can do stuff, but, like, yeah. You don't have to walk to the monkeys every time. <laughs> yeah. Is that a Konami game too? That's a Konami game too. Does Konami just make all the stealth games? I think Konami makes the stealth games and then... Well, so whoever made Thief made Thief. Right, well there's also like... What is it called? Splinter Cell and shit like that. Yeah. Don't forget the vampire killing games. Uh, Dishonored? That's a, that's a, uh, that's a joke. Wait, are you talking about Castlevania? Yes. What, is that a stealth game? No, but it kills vampires like this game. Oh, you're talking about Konami. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you were talking about stealth games, and I was like, when do you have to be stealthy in Castlevania? <laughs> That'd be funny, though. I wonder if Dishonored took inspiration from Thief. I mean, they're both first person. That might be too surface level of a difference. Or of a similarity. I really don't think that games being first person can count as a similarity at this point. <laughs> That's, yeah. 
Alright, what's our thumbs up, thumbs down for this game? I'm a thumbs up, and I feel like it's pretty clear that you guys are both thumbs downs. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I will get a thumbs down. Maybe the maybe the other games will change my mind. I think, like, I am really hoping that Boktai 2 will be pretty much Boktai 1, but better in enough ways that it gets it to a thumbs up. I just want it to be faster. Yeah, that that's really it. Like, if the game were faster, I think I would make it a thumbs up. I liked finding... This game does a good job of giving you the weapon parts just enough for me to want to check out every dungeon. Yeah. But dungeons aren't so slow that I feel bad for having completed one. I guess another thing is, if the game were better at telling you whether you got what you needed from a dungeon, you know... Yeah, I do think that you have to kind of be self-motivated in this game. <laughs> yeah. Which is never a good thing, I don't think. <laughs> Like, the game should motivate you. It should be exciting to do what the game wants you to do. Yeah. I like the green chests, though. I think that's a cool thing. The chests that have unique things in them are green. Yeah, I like I like seeing a green chest and immediately being like, oh, yeah, I'm getting that. Yeah, that feeling is good. And finding a gun part is always good. It, it's always like, even if you don't plan on using it, it's still nice to have a thing say, like, oh, you got the javelin, or oh, you got beat mania. Like, I don't <laughs> think I ever equipped beat mania, but seeing that in my game was like, well, that's hilarious. Okay, real talk though, screw the mimics. You do you know about the see all nut? Uh the see all nut? Uh... One, of, one of the one of the items that you can use in this game of consumable is called the see all nut. And when you eat it for a duration of time, it'll tell you when the game is gonna screw you over, basically. It'll show you God. where trapdoors are, it'll show you which chests are mimics, it'll show you some secret chests that you can't see otherwise. Incredible. The sea all nut. The sea all nut. We'll see you all nut in the next episode. Boktai 2. Boktai 2. And that won't be out next week. It'll be out the week after with our new schedule. Yeah. You can find me at twitter.com slash Isaiah Games. That's I-S-I-A-H Games. I guess that's more important than finding the podcast at Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you screw can the po find that podcast on Twitch, no spin dash zone, on Twitter at no spin dash zone. And you can also email us at nospin-zone at gmail.com. Thanks, Charlie. And I guess you can also find me at Draws Charlie if you feel like looking at That's on drawings. Twitter. Twitter Draws Charlie. Hey, he might have a Tumblr by the time this comes out. Who knows? Uh, I tried not, making though. one, but it's just not worth the effort for me anymore. Yeah, you also can't put porn on there, so. Yeah. Well, What's hold on a even? second. What are you implying? What? No, nothing, nothing. <laughs> All right, see you guys next time. Bye. Bok. Bye. Bok. Bye. Bok. Bye. The sun is out of, out of your the hand. Salutations are in your hand. <laughs> okay, I'm hitting the stop button immediately. We'd like to thank the LAG Network for making our episodes available on platforms like iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and lots more. If you're listening on YouTube and you'd like to keep up with our episodes on one of these audio platforms, just search for the LAG Radio Network and follow their feed.